Tell us your story. Welcome to Author Eke. Hi, I'm Travis Davis, your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. Today, I've got Eric P. Bishop. And we kind of connected through Twitter. Uh, and I, I saw what he was writing. Ransom Daughter here, going to be out the 10th of next month. And I'm like, all right, I want to get him on here because he's re- re- written another book. And he sent me this and I read it. And I go, I love Vienna. I like the espionage and everything. And this is a great book, folks. And it is a good, quick read. And it's entertaining. That's the key, entertaining. So, Eric, take it away. Introduce yourself to the author, Eke Folk. And uh, we'll take it from there. Glad to. So, Eric Bishop, uh, my first book, not the first one I finished, but the first one published came out um, almost two years ago now, Mm -hmm. uh, November 2021. It's called The Body Man, which is probably behind my shoulder there. Um, and yeah, just that love, I've had that love of writing for years and it wasn't until 2014 where I actually, it's not the first time I wrote, but it's the first time I actually completed Mm -hmm. something. And, uh, I thought when I finished that first book, which was actually a Troy Evans book, uh, who is the central character in Ransom Daughter. You know, I thought when I finished that first book, I thought, well, here comes Easy Street. You know, I'm going to be a published (laughs) author and Hollywood's going to come calling. And um, that's when the rejection started smacking me in the face for the next multiple years. (laughs) So I had a a floor mat made in front of my house saying, uh, welcome, Hollywood. Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) And you're still waiting. (laughs) I'm still waiting. And there hadn't been a footprint on the darn thing. So uh, darn, eh, got on eBay. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, but so I, I've just, I've had a love to do it for a long time and I, I've talked about it in some other podcasts. Um, I have the computer we're talking on now. I have two folders on it. Uh, one's called books, which is everything I've written from 2014 until even this weekend when I was doing some writing. And then I have a folder called old books and those old books folder is everything I wrote from college up to 2014. And the the thing that ties those old books files mm-hmm. together is I didn't finish any of them. It's just story after story. I would right. start and I would get 10 pages in or five pages or I have a couple 50, 60 page stuff in there, 100 page. Um, I think one of them and I didn't finish them. I'd get distracted. I had kids, young kids at the time. I was traveling. I was doing stuff. I was working. And finally, 2014, I think I was in my mid 30s. So I think I started my crisis early and I was like, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And I said, well, I want to finish a novel and see if I can, you know, what I can do with that. So 2014 is when I kind of turned that next chapter and actually took it serious, finished the first book and then uh, didn't get anywhere and wrote the second book that didn't get anywhere, wrote the third book that <laughs> didn't get anywhere. And the body man, the fourth book, it didn't hit. I, I, I'm, I'm not talking to you from Fiji, but um, it got published and it was successful. And I got a lot of great um, reviews and feedback from it. And that kind of got me kind of really got my I was already highly motivated but that got the confidence behind me that it's like, okay, I can actually do this. I don't know if I can quit my job and do this, but I can do this as a side hustle to get my words out there for people to read. And hopefully one day one will catch on and take it from there. Yeah. They usually say, you know, the series is the best kind of thing because people will pick up a you know third, second, third, fourth book. And then, Oh, you know, let me go back and read right. the others. Um, uh, so that's key. So, I, I didn't start writing till I was 63 years old. So uh, God bless you. It just sh- think- that shows there's not an age limit on this thing. Oh heck no! Or education. No. <laughs> so uh, no, it is creativity and uh, a little bit of imagination and uh, someone to, you know and just start writing. Yeah. Well, I was going to cut you off there and say it's not an education. Your education mm-hmm. probably came the school of hard knocks. You yeah. you lived a life, and I think the more life you live. Yeah. the better chance you have of having creativity in your, in your writing. Yeah. I mean, I was in the army 20 years, so I have a, you know, that and just being all around, but yeah. So can I ask you something that, that, that flag in back of you? Yes. Actually love this one. No, the one in the case, the one in the case. This, yes. So yeah. That, that is one a, is I, um, my brother has one of those from my father. Yeah. So this one actually came from Afghanistan. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Malizio, Malazio, mm-hmm. uh, the village in Afghanistan. So um, quick story on that is uh, freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. I went to a very strict conservative Christian college and they they crammed four of us into this room. And the fourth guy comes in 
has a horrible attitude. I go, this guy's an absolute dick. I will never <laughs> talk to this guy the rest of my life. And um, he became one of my best friends. He dropped out of college after three years, said, screw this. I don't want to be a teacher like my mom wants me to be. I want to join the Army. Um, so he joined the Army. I went to I went to basic down in Benning, watched him graduate there. I watched him graduate down in um, Bragg when he got uh, SF, uh, was, then was assigned to fifth group. And so he would go on deployments for 20 years, essentially, and a lot of deployments he'd come back and he'd bring me a flag. So, and I don't have them all here. I had them in my old office, but like I got a flag from uh, the invasion when we went into Iraq. Um, He was coming in from the Jordan border uh, and there was a flag hanging there on the border and I have that flag. So I've got these just amazing collections of flags he's given me. And every now and then I'll talk to him on the phone and he'll say, how are my flags? And I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Those, those are mine now. I'm I'm (laughs) very safe. So my, uh, my son went to Afghanistan and uh, and he he came back with a flag mm-hmm. and a, a certificate and it was kind of cool because it was from a U a UCAV. Okay, he, he did uh, uh, geospatial stuff and mm-hmm. it was kind of cool and said this this flag had was in the aircraft when they flew a mission. Wow, and and that's pretty slick. Uh, yeah, that's that's something new. very. You know, you kind of keep it keep it to you and stuff. So, what 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 do you do from when you're not writing? I mean, so uh, there's people as long that as think it's not I against work- the law. What's that? <laughs> as long as it's not against the law. <laughs> never, never been arrested in my life. Never done drug in my life. I'm pretty boring. That's that's why my stories have to kill people and do do crazy oh, alter ego. Things. It's your exactly. alter ego. It's it's back um, there. Those what's that? Oh, the uh, oh, there's a. Uh, I'll get in here in a second. That's okay. Um, actually, when the body man came out, that was one of the questions I got from people. They're like, so you, you work for the government, right? And I'm like, no, They're like, no, seriously, you can tell me. And I'm like, seriously, you can believe whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. um, so my, my day job is actually, I'm a financial analyst. Okay. So super interesting job. Um, but uh, now I work for a title insurance company. It's just kind of one of those, you know, your life sometimes mm-hmm. goes in a direction you probably wouldn't have predicted when you were a teenager. Um, but it's a good job. It allows me to have the freedom to write at night. I don't have to, you know, work multiple jobs to pay alimony and all the fun stuff that happens later in life sometimes. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to have it. And the writing gives me that creative outlet. Um, just to kind of, I don't live vicariously through my stories, but it allows me to explore different things that I don't get to do in my regular life. Uh, so you need to say you do a lot of research, but like, I find a lot of fiction writers do a tremendous amount of research because they want to research more than we write. I would, yes. I would definitely say, and yeah. that comes in spurts. There's times I've researched a ton and then that research has helped me for multiple books down the line. So I haven't had to d- dive as much in like, I, I'm uh, actually my second book, uh, had to do with a missing nuclear weapon from the cold war. Which one day I might put that out, especially now that I have my own imprint, my own brand, for mm-hmm. uh, my own publishing brand. Um, I'd like to revisit that story. But so that was probably 2015, 2016. I was researching that. And I mean, I was heavily every night into how do you set up, you know, how do you create a nuclear weapon and nuclear fusion and uh, EMPs, especially. Did you have your computer on a VPN so they couldn't track your IP address? <laughs> no, I just went right to the FBI's website and said, "Hey, come get me, kick in the door. That'll make for a really great story. I'll be in some, I'll be in some black site, basically." I'm like, seriously, I'm a financial where'd, analyst. Uh, They're like, yeah, where, right. Where'd, where'd Eric go? He was here yesterday. <laughs> he doesn't take business trips. Where'd he go? <laughs> and the great thing about the Patriot Act is they could hold me indefinitely and nobody right. would ever know. Yeah. And you're just doing research to entertain people. Exactly. Um, Nothing to yeah, I'm, I'm sure I felt, I, I'm sure I showed up on a few watch lists and hopefully the analysts there just kind of like, oh, that guy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Writing another book. <laughs> Writing another book. Um, but, and then anytime I can do boots on the ground research, mm-hmm. um, that's where I really like, you know, people say, well, what do you want to do? You know, I'd like to be at some point what like the Brad Taylor and Mark Greeny do and, you know, plan a book out ahead of time in exotic locations and then go spend a, a couple weeks or a month over in those uh-huh. locations. Um, yeah. that's kind of the bucket list dream of that's how I know I've achieved writing success. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fortunate that I've traveled enough and actually with my job, even with a financial job that I have, I actually used to do about 10 to 20% travel for the company coast to coast. So I've been all over the, the States for the, uh, for the company. I've traveled internationally personally. So, 
and I try to take those stories or those places I go and when I can find a spot in the book, um, put in those real world locations because I've been to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah I do um, the same thing. Yeah, I, as much I, as I, 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 you know, hotels and cities. Uh, the one I'm writing now, uh, my wife's German, so last Christmas we went uh, to visit and uh, uh, Walhalla. Valhalla. It's a place in Regensburg, Germany. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Looking overlook the Danube. And that's kind of the one of the places in the book. Yeah. Uh, because it's so cool, right? And nobody nobody ever writes about something like that because, you know, it's not everybody doesn't know it. Uh, right. so that's kind of good. But I do like I like traveling, do a lot of the research and I do stuff like, you know, uh Chinese stuff. Okay. So Chinese, Russian and weapons and stuff like that. And I'm like, hmm, I'm always, you know, looking out my window. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> That balloon that was coming over all those yeah. times, you know what it was looking at. So, oh, a black helicopter. Hmm. What's Travis doing today? <laughs> oh, you know, because my day job, my day, I retired now. My day job is a school bus monitor on a special education bus for little kids. I uh, love it. How sure, rewarding. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Tricoms are not believing that. I, so. I told them my job is to get you guys in shape for the military. <laughs> They're like, what? There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's great. So tell us about the book, the latest one. Yeah, so um, so it's it's a novella, um, and kind of the backstory on how that came about is I was in between um, the Body Man came out. I was expecting the follow up Breach of Trust to come out, um, if not end of last year, sometime this year, um, had a difference of writing opinion with the publisher. Um, we decided to go our separate ways and I got the rights back for breach of trust. But over the winter time, I kind of did some soul searching and thinking about it and said, well, I don't want my ego to drive something. Now I had a bunch of people who, uh, um, whose opinions I respected mm-hmm. all say the same thing. They thought breach of trust was a better story than the body man. So it wasn't a doubt of the story I wrote, but I said, well, let me put it aside for a little while and just go at it with some fresh eyes, which I did Mm -hmm. come, I did in the spring. Um, But in the meantime, I was like, oh, what do I do next? Because, you know, as, as we talked a little bit offline and and everyone knows this is a business, Um, you get into writing. I got into writing because I loved it. And then you realize quickly that you actually have to look at it as a business. Mm -hmm. And in this business, if you don't come out with something on some kind of a regular basis, any goodwill you built with building an audience or whatever can quickly go away unless you're in household name, right? You know, some of those big guys can get away with writing a book every three years and no one's, they're still going to have a big following. I can't, I have to have something out probably every year or people are going to say, who's Eric Bishop. Um, so what I did over the winter time is I kind of went back into what I had written in the past that hadn't got picked up by a publisher. And I stuck, I I gravitated back towards my Troy Evans books, which were my first three novels that didn't get published. I didn't want to touch them at the time because I knew how much work it would be to fix them, to make changes, because I've changed as a writer since 2014 when I wrote the first book, Vengeance. Um, But I had written some other stuff, some smaller stuff, novellas, short stories. And I picked up Ransom Daughter, which I had written years back. And I was like, I read through it, read it like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, real quick read. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot here that I can, I can jump off of and work on. So I spent about a month just kind of like, and I didn't tear it apart completely, but kind of going through it and reimagining and making some changes to the story. And then I just decided, you know, why don't I put it out myself? I have learned a lot over the course of the last seven, eight years of in the, in the industry, Mm -hmm. trying to get books published. And so I started probably back in about February or March, just kind of, okay, what do I need to do to start my own publishing imprint? And then I just put in the time to create a company, create, yeah, hired, create logos, all that. And mm-hmm. what I decided to do, and I never wanted to self-publish. That was, I wanted to, I wanted to do what you used to be able to do years ago, write a book, give it to someone. They did everything else. And you just wrote the next book that doesn't exist anymore. No. E- even if you're a big, even if you're a Brad Thor, you're a Jack Carr, you're whoever, mm-hmm. um, you have to be hands-on involved, at least in the marketing process, for sure, yes. if not more steps. So I had learned so much that I said, well, let, let me give it a go on my own and I'm going to just outsource everything that I'm not good at. And that's the other thing that I think people can get over their heads in quickly is they either a maybe don't have the money to hire someone to do a cover and hire someone to do editing. So they try to do it all themselves. And I think for some people that works, 
But a lot of times, I think that's what gives self-publishing a bad rap is people put out a product that's not quality. So I said, well, I want to be able to put out Ransom Daughter, but I'm going to stay in my lane. So what's my lane? My lane is I can market pretty well, I believe, and I can write a book. But what do I need? I need someone to do um, cover design. I need someone to professionally edit it. Um, someone to create like logos and that kind of stuff, the multimedia stuff that mm-hmm. I can mess with a little bit, but it looks amateurish. Um, so that's what I did. I spent a couple months just doing all that setup, finding people, uh, getting proposals on, on costs and stuff. And, you know, here we are a couple of weeks out by the time this comes out, uh, ransom daughter will hopefully be out and, and ransom daughters out in the world. And I haven't written very much this summer because that's a lot of stinking work, but it also created a baseline for me of learning and creating the contacts and the processes that for future books, um, it'll be a lot more streamlined. So I can still focus a lot on writing and on the side also get done, you know, uh, put other books out of my own if, if I go down that path, which yeah, I will I think, next year. Yeah. Yeah. I try to do one a year. Yeah. Uh, September, August timeframe, mm-hmm. you know, round about there. And, uh, I think you hit something on, you know, very, that I didn't know, when I when I when I first wrote the book, I was like, okay, I got a publisher, you know, I'm done. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, you continually have to brand yourself, right? You've got right. to have a brand. You people, and that's one reason why I started the podcast because I didn't know. And I said, what a better way is to start a podcast with authors to get, you know, you know, you get these nuggets of information and you put them together. But not only for me, but for the audience, that you know, somebody has an idea for a book. Uh, whatever kind of book it is, thriller, yeah. romance, I don't care, kids' book, doesn't matter. Um, they can look at these. Okay, you know, they did it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I? How do I do it? What's step one? What's step two? You know, you know, when you look at a pie, right? You know, you divide it in three. You know, writing the book is probably the smallest piece of the pie, and then these other two pies are the editing. Editing formatting takes a lot of time, right? And then the other is the marketing. But the marketing, you never finish. Right, never. you can never finish that piece of pie. It's you like can never spend enough money on marketing. No, never. you could. It's like being at the Riverwalk in San Antonio in a hundred degrees, and you got this huge margarita filled with ice, and it never goes down. Right? I mean, you just cannot finish this thing. That's um, funny. So that's yeah. what it's like. Uh, so, so you're right that you know writing. Writing's a fun part. I, I mean, I love to write because I love to do the research. Yes. Um, not a big fan of the editing, but you got to do it. And I, I do like the markets. I've done marketing before in different companies that I've worked mm-hmm. in other owned or or whatever. Um, but I do I, I do like that. And uh, so, uh, how, what's your like? Do you sit down today and say I'm going to write? I'm going to write a chapter. I'm going to write a thousand words, or I'm just going to put something to help me get the story along. What's your kind of your writing style? Um, it's changed. So when I first started in 2014, my my process was. I was married at the time, had two little, young, much younger kids. My, my son's 16, now my daughter's 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in 14, they were a lot smaller. Yep. And I would wait till everybody went to bed. My wife, the kids would go to bed, and that was my time. Mm-hmm. Um, before I was writing, I would watch TV. That would be my turn off re- or read. I read a lot. Um, that would be my way of ignoring the reality of the rest of life and my me time. All that went away in 2014 when I started writing. So what I did was I put everyone to bed or everyone would go to bed and I would start writing around 10 o'clock Eastern uh, in the evening and I would write until I was done. And the the reason I would not advise doing that and the reason I would advise people to do a structure or have a better structure is I physically got myself sick because right. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to turn off my brain. So I would sometimes write till two, three, four in the morning six nights a week. I would take one day off. I'd take like a, a Sabbath. I take Sunday off, whatever, just to have a day of rest yeah. mentally. But yeah. um, I got done with that first book and I thought it was a great book, but I was physically like not debilitated, but it messed with me because I had going hard all the time with work and then going hard in the evenings with my family and the weekends. And then at night I would write and I was just, I had not taken care of me mentally mm-hmm. with my, with the rest. So with subsequent books uh, and I was still married for the next couple um, I did the same process, but I cut myself off at like midnight. You have until 10 o'clock till 12. And at 12 mm-hmm. o'clock, I still had the same problem of how do you transition to go to bed? 
Um, at that time in my life, it was a combination of either watching a Seinfeld episode or I didn't get in a bad habit of watching. I was behind on Breaking Bad. I hadn't watched Breaking Bad. So I started that, mm-hmm. which was not a good thing to read. No, you didn't want to turn your brain off. No, I didn't turn my brain off. But So I, I had to limit that to like yeah. a binge session every now and then because I really enjoyed it. Um, but And then got divorced several years ago. So mm-hmm. that kind of then changed my schedule because then I only had my kids half the time. And then the other half of the time when I wasn't working or traveling, cause I do travel a lot. I go to concerts. I do. I have a lot. I, I enjoy life. I, this is the only, I might be wrong. We might all be wrong. You might come back. Something else might occur. We've been lied to all these years, but this is the only go I think we have at this life. If I come back as a writer, I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we all, I think guys come back as cockroaches. Frog with one leg can't jump. Exactly. Um, but so that allowed that that changed my schedule too. Then because then I would have the t- available time when I didn't have my kids or wasn't mm, working. Yes. But it also limited me because when I had my kids and still to this day, um, custody days, you know, those are my time with the kids and it's very precious mm. to me. Um, yep. I do get some stuff done at night when they go to bed because they go to bed at a reasonable hour because of school mm. and everything. But a lot of times when they go to bed, I'm you know I'm going p- pointing the other side of the house. I'm, I'm in the kitchen cleaning up from fr- from dinner, or yep, I'm exactly. getting lunches ready, or I'm exhausted. So um, yeah, so I try to just squeeze it in. So it, it now right today as we talk in this last couple months, I'm in a phase of trying to put a book out. So my writing time is more when I have a free hour and I have the ideas in my mm-hmm. head. Um, so it's not as often once I get through October into early November, I'll flip my brain over and say, okay, we're back to creative mode and I'll get back in the creative side. And I've taught myself over the years to be able to do that pretty well. Um, I can write anywhere Mm -hmm. I can, I can't do it very well in the morning, but I can during the day or in the evenings, depending if I'm working or if I'm traveling, I can set the side of time and say, okay, I have an hour to knock a chapter out. Um, so I don't have the rigorous thought process of, I have to write a full chapter mm-hmm. or I don't stick to the rule of you have to write a thousand or 2000 words every sitting. Um, it's just cause I'm prioritizing other things in life right now. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like a morning I like to work out and, you know, walk four miles or whatever, come back mm-hmm. and then, uh, sit outside Texas. It's usually nice. Uh, and then hammer away and listen to country and Western music. Uh, I can't, I can't write. In a sterile environment, I have to. I listen because sometimes someone go, "Oh man, that's okay. That's kind of cool, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and put that in there. Uh, do you outline or do you just pants it or or, or a hybrid? First several years, I was one hundred percent a pantser. Mm-hmm. Um, first three books, I was one hundred percent a pantser. Body man, I start. I didn't out. I've never outlined, but I'm starting to get a little bit more structured. And I think part of the structure is just. Uh, life circumstances require me to kind of, uh, if I don't put some of it down, it'll probably go woo right in one right. ear, right out the other. So um, here, I was going to say, where is it? Uh, these things are the devil yes. and I'm on it a lot. So I'm guilty of messing with the devil. Yeah. But the one good thing about it is the notes feature. Mm-hmm. So I was even somewhere this weekend and I had an idea um, for one of the next books I'm working on for next year. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I could do this. And I just went to notes. I hit the little microphone button and I left myself like a three paragraph. Do this, do that, do that, do that. And it took me three minutes and I'll be able to churn off that for a while of giving me a direction. So I do a lot of that as I'm going through um, my days. I I was actually um, out and about uh, several days ago and I thought, you know, Ransom Daughter is done. But I was like, you know. I could say this one thing here, which will tie this to another story. And I'm like, mm. well, you know, it's not published yet. Some people have read the the advanced version or right. the arc version, but I'm like, it's a two lines. And I was like, I think I want to do that. And it's a freedom I didn't have previously with other books or with my first book, especially mm. because once you gave it to the publisher, you were pretty much you're done. I mean, you can, there's some editorial changes that happen, yeah. but you hit that deadline of, you can't make any changes now. Um, now with putting this out on my own, I have until about 48 hours. So I have until probably October 8th that I could go in and go, you know, I got this jerk that I need to kill off and I, I name him George. What if I name him Travis, you know, and I'll, 
I could go and I can kill Travis. If oh, I they're happen. usually very nice people named Travis. Uh, they're usually very hospitable. Uh, most of them are. <laughs> most of them are. Um, so that's there's always the one. There's always one. <laughs> that's the dangerous part, actually, yeah. in a way. But so I, I have a deadline of I can't tweak it up until th- I, I got until this point where I can tweak it, um, and then it's then it's and that's kind of a that was something I did have to accept when the Body Man came out. Mm-hmm. Is once you have it out there, and it's actually a good thing. Because I think the nature as writers is if we could always go back in and change something we wrote, yes, that would probably be purgatory or hell because we would do that for eternity. Yeah, we would yeah, always you got to finalize it eventually, right? Yeah, you got to um, slam it down. And I'm also good. I've learned that I'm good at once I'm done with it and once it's out there, I don't. It's not that I don't care, but I don't put any thought process into. Like I, the Body Man, I've referenced back to it a couple mm-hmm. times this year as I've been working on the next as I've been tweaking the this follow-up breach of trust which right. will come out next year um but besides that i'll never read it again probably which is weird because i had a, a public uh, an author that i had met years ago and used to meet for lunch sometimes and she had told me that she never reads her books that are published a- after they come out and i'm like and i wasn't published at the time and i'm like mm. that just sounds ridiculous right. you'd be so proud of this book that you want to read it more mm-hmm. no i realize now once it's out there no no it's out tra- there it's no one should read it again. <laughs> Once it's out there, it's out there. That's for darn sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, uh, so I'm writing my third in the Team Tex Arcana series, and then I've actually started a children's book. Good for you. So I'm going to do both of them at the same time, and hopefully I don't put like bad, the wrong words in that children's book. Yeah, just yeah, make sure yeah. you got someone to edit. Look really good. So I'm doing that. How many, um, how many F-bombs can you get away with in a children's book? I yeah, think it answers zero. <laughs> yeah, you can't put any in there. I barely put them in my books. Um, so how do you how do you market? What's what's your like what's your, what is your launch routine? Um, well, this will be the first time I've done it on my own. So okay. for the I, but I'm I'm kind of still following a pattern I probably did with the body man is just ramping up social media. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I'm on your program here. Try to do as many podcasts as I can. I was actually taught that or told that by years ago by extremely number one New York Times bestseller of when you first get started and someone says, Hey, you want to come on my podcast? Your answer is always yes. 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 You do. Because yep. you don't know. And I, I know some people might look at it and go, well, I don't want to be on a podcast that has three views or three listens. I want to be on a I want to be on Joe Rogan. You know, everybody wants to be on Joe Rogan. Everyone wants to be on, you know, whatever. Name a big right. name podcast. Um but A, the bottom line is you don't know who's going to hear that podcast. Mm-hmm. And also I think when you're first getting started, you, there is a, you got to build goodwill and just yep. you're starting off as an author. Well, that podcaster might be starting off. Mm-hmm. You're not better than that podcaster. Your, your time is not more precious than that podcasters. So if you have the time and if you're trying to get your name out there, go out and talk about your, your product. And it, that, that comes down to marketing. Um, market your product. Well, how do you market your product? You get your face out there, you get images of the product out there mm-hmm. and you tell about the story. And hopefully that resonates with, you know, a handful of people, maybe it'll re- resonate with thousands, tens of thousands of people. Um, and all you can do is your part, which is talk about your story and try to, you know, get people interested in it. Yeah. I, th- I know this year I missed, was that Brocon or? Uh, Bushercon. Bushercon. I miss it, yeah. but I'm actually already registered for Nove- uh, Nashville. I so, will see you. I'll see you in Nashville. Yeah, I um, there. I took to my kids and my mom actually to Yosemite back in July, mm-hmm. and uh, I was gonna I was planning on taking the kids earlier in the year, and then my mom, who just turned was turning seventy, was reached out to me and she's like, "I haven't been to San Francisco in like thirty five years because we were gonna go to San Francisco for a day or two before mm-hmm. Yosemite." And she goes, "Can I come?" And I was like, "Well, of course you can come." <laughs> so, um, so we get to take my mom, which. Kids got to spend time with grandma, which was great. Um, and uh, But I realized in doing that trip, yeah, there's no way I can fly back to California at the end of August. You know, a month later, there's no way, uh, you know, I, I I don't have that Hollywood map money. So, you know, I don't, right, right. I, I, it's not going to happen. Um, and conferences are great. So I look forward to seeing you at the Nashville yeah. one. The, it, they serve a couple purposes. The biggest plus for a conference is networking with fellow authors and yes. people in the industry. Um, and that might be the only plus for the conference. I think people think they're going to go to a conference and, well, I'll sell a bunch of books. You're not going to sell many books at a conference. No. At least my experience, you're not going right. to. But you might meet someone that says, Travis, 
what have you written? And you give them a book, you give them your card and they read that. And it, you know, it could turn out to be someone in the industry that's like, Hey, we might have a spot for you. Mm -hmm. You know, we might have a home for you. You just don't know. And also just the networking that happens between authors, um, which is something that surprised me because when I came into this in 2014, uh, I figured it's highly competitive. There's probably a lot of nice. It's really not. I figured there'd be a lot of nice that are going in other people's backs and it's been a complete opposite thing. Um, the, the amount of authors that have been gracious to me and given me time and read my books or helped with, you know, here's a good way to market. It's just been overwhelming. So, so those are the, so the conferences and that's, I'm sad I missed conferences this year because I don't get to see some of my legitimate friends in the end. I didn't even know about them. I, I've never even heard of them before, which is, which is bad, which is terrible in, in respects. So I've, I've I wish there was a place where you could go and just all the conferences that oh you know, get a list all, get a list of all these things and links is just maybe I'll put that on my website I'll figure all those out but yeah that's actually probably a good a service to have out there because I'm trying to think if there's one source that lists them all a lot of it is knowing someone that says hey have you ever been the the one I started with was Thriller Fest years ago I went to Thriller yes. Fest in New York City which is mm-hmm. kind of was at least for a while kind of the biggest common probably still is the biggest one. For thriller writers, mm-hmm. um, going to that opened up my opened up me knowing about um, Bowser Khan, mm-hmm. which I went to last year in Minneapolis for the first time. I was going to go to New Orleans, which is a whole nother story, um, which got canceled like a month. Yes, before. it is another totally. story. <laughs> yeah, I, I still ended up going, even though the conference got canceled. I still flew to New Orleans. So, um, and uh, so uh, another author who's got his first book coming out here in uh, I think November, Jack Stewart. Um, he was still active. Uh, he was reserve active duty for Navy um, at the time. And so he was flying the Hornet. And so he was still going down that weekend. So he actually picked me up at the airport because he had, I, I was like, man, back seat in a fighter jet. Now that'd be nice. And he's just yeah. like, that's never going to happen, but good luck with that. <laughs> like, but he said, what I can do for you is I can put you in the F-18 simulator at joint base uh, New Orleans. Oh, that'd be like, cool. Yes, please. So he did. Yeah. I had probably... I don't know, a good hour and a half in the simulator by, and part of it by myself. Uh, and I mean, full on simulator, all the flight controls, everything is exactly what they train on. Um, so I crashed that thing a lot. That was fun for free crashing of a, you know, $6 walk million out. Dollar jet. Yeah, walk out. Yeah, exactly. I was in the army. Uh, my first assignment out of uh, basic and AIT was uh, in Fort Riley, Kansas in an aero yeah. rifle platoon. Okay. Uh, they were transitioning over to being reconnaissance specialists. And it was the UEs, right? So we, I think we had like four or five UEs probably. And all these pilots were Vietnam Air UE pilots, most of them, wow. predominantly. Mm-hmm. Man, I, they, they flew those things like it was an extension of their body. Yeah. And it would if, – if you didn't enjoy it, you hated it. I mean, yeah. you were terrified. I there was no it. middle ground. Oh, I loved it. And then uh, a couple of years after that, I went to Fort Hood – and uh, part of the job, my, my MOS uh, was an aerial uh, reconnaissance specialist. So I got to fly left front seat in a Kiowa OH-58 helicopter. Wow. W- which was great. But some of these guys were high school to flight school. They would scare the piss out of you because I didn't think they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, but they were really good. And, and then one time we were going to – had to ferry some aircraft down to uh, Kemp Funkston, I think, by San Antonio, if that's the right one. And they needed people to sit in the front seat of the Cobra. And I, I was flight status, right? So I can I can do that. And yeah. so I got in. Awesome, by the way. We took off, sure. and he was like, "Hey, you want to fly?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." You know, because <laughs> they try to in case you have to land or whatever. Right? That's good to know. And I probably yeah. had three or four hundred hours in a fifty eight already. So okay. yeah. So and then, but the Cobra, you got to keep like six or seven degrees low attitude because you fly like this because gotcha. the way that you sit in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was fun. And oh, that, yeah. that, that was a blast. But yeah, I, I, I wanted to be a pilot in high school. Okay. I wanted to go to Air Force Academy, you know, become an F4 pilot. That's what I wanted to do. And then the uh, mid seventies caught up with me and go, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> <laughs> quit high school, 11th, uh, 11th grade, joined the army on a fr- quit Friday and Tuesday I was in basic training. Oh wow! Like Seventeen years old—that's a, that's a rude awakening. Rude awakening, but that you know that 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 shaped your life also. Oh, and of the course. experiences the experiences you got, the the gratitude I'm sure you got for 
Um, I never served, uh, like I said, my, my, one of my closest friends did, and I've had several other friends that have served. Um, but I think the appreciation you have for how good life really is for the average person, um, yeah. you, you really put into perspective. I used to guard the East West German border. So I, you know, you can see, uh, I've seen communism firsthand. Yeah. And it ain't good. Right. Whatever the, whatever they're teaching in school, guess what folks? It's not utopia. It's not no. uh, everybody gets a color TV because guarantee somebody wants a bigger one. Yeah. And the person wants a bigger one is in a position of power. Right. And they don't care how they get that. Right. Mm -hmm. So capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 and I think as we get further away from those type of, I don't know how to word it, but as the generations get softer, life gets easier. Mm-hmm. And the ex, you know, the expectations that you get things for not much as that becomes the norm. I think yep. a reset has to happen every so often of just smacking people down of saying, "Guess what? That's not." And that's what the publishing industry has taught me. Yeah. Again, I, I went in ignorant, thinking, "Oh, I write a book and everything's going to be all set." No, it's not all. And um, and I was talking to someone about it recently. Um, and I, you know, I learned the hard lesson, and I'm still learning hard lessons all the time with it. Is it's called the publishing industry. It's not the publishing charity. Yes, right. <laughs> it's not a 429C or whatever those, yeah. whatever the, the legal numbers are for yeah, all yeah. the charities. No, yeah. no, this is a business. And if you don't accept that from the get-go when you're trying to publish a book, you're going to accept it before too long because you're going to get your feelings hurt really bad when you start getting rejected mm -hmm. and you start seeing even subpar books make the bestseller list. You go, what's happening there? It's like, because someone in the industry recognized that even though the book might not be good, they can market it or they can market yes. the writer who might not even be the writer. They can market that person yeah. and it's going to make them money. They want to make money and you're the writer. You're going to make the least amount of money. You either accept that from yeah. the get go or you probably want to go get another job or find another occupation or hobby, whatever this is for you. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, going back to soft, I think, uh, the, 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 uh, Quelle in Germany, Quelle, where something starts, like the origin um, mm. of the softness was in, I think, 1982 when they invented bumpers for uh, for bowling. Oh. <laughs> because then everybody got a strike or everybody hit the pins. Guess what? In life, you don't hit the pins all the time. You might as well learn early on how to throw that ball, right? Partis participation Just, trophies. Yes. Yeah, so that's that, where we're at now. That's, that's my little... Uh, Good job, Johnny. Good job, Johnny. You, you bounced, kicked the you, ball. You're getting a trophy this week. You bounced it off the bumper. Um, so yeah, so that. But uh, yeah, I think you're right from uh, you know the writing. You, you've got to, you know, I'm not a TV host, right? I'm not on TV. I can't say I'm going to write a book and it'll be a bestseller because I've been on TV, right? Mm -hmm. So you're right. You've got to go out there and market. You've got to get people to, you've got to get, get you've got to entertain the people with the books. You've got to get a loyal following. Right. whatever that may be. And then you got to get people to help promote it when you, when you're not right. Right. You know, that is the best type is somebody puts, say, Oh, you need to read this or, yes. you know, check this out. And, and I think that's critical. And, and you're right. I think the folks that I've met, I talked to uh, Kyle Mills the other day. Mm -hmm. Nice guy. I mean, real, I mean, very, nice, very guy. nice guy. Right. Um, and a lot of these other authors are every, I think everybody wants to help each other, which is, you're thinking counterintuitive that because they they're trying to push their book, but they yeah. know their books are going to sell millions of copies. Well, it's and even don't mind if you if you don't mind if you're taking a couple hundred, you know, or, or whatever. The thing, so not to correct you, but the the reason yeah. why it's not a competition for anyone at that level is these guys know enough about the industry to know. Like Kyle, we'll take Kyle, Kyle's. I wouldn't say a friend, but I interact with him. I talk right. to him on um, WhatsApp and stuff. We, yeah. we, we we chat. Um, Kyle knows just the way the business works of if he comes out with a book, well, that's one book out of 365 days. Most readers out there are pretty ferocious readers. Mm -hmm. They are not going to just read Kyle Mills' book. They're going to go find who else has a book like it out there. Oh, yeah. Brad Thor has a book like it out there. Okay. Oh, Jack Carr does. Okay, Brad Taylor does. Daniel Silva. 
mm-hmm. they're going to read a lot of books. Yes. So, and they know, you know, they know Travis and they know Eric isn't direct competition because if anything, if we put good books out there, that helps the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. And people are going to buy a lot of books. Yeah, now, right, ultimately, yeah. if there's 5,000 really good thriller writers out there that are all coming out with a book a year, okay, that's could be seen as a competition. But mm-hmm. there's not 5,000 books out there that are vying for the New York Times bestseller list at any given week. Um, right. It's a much smaller, it's a much smaller number. And normally... There's exceptions to it, but normally it's the cream that rises to the top. Mm-hmm. So it's the it's it's the stories that really resonate. And even if you start, like you were saying, which I think is a perfect analogy, even if you start and you're just very small, you're not selling a lot of copies, getting a loyal following, getting a grassroots following, because if, if 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 Travis likes my book, well, Travis might tell his three friends and his three friends are like, man, OK, Ransom Daughter is pretty good. Well, those three people might tell another four or five people amongst themselves. Well, now you look at exponentially your names getting out there from one person saying, I like this book and telling a few people in their network that can grow to be in a position where maybe five, six books down the line, maybe you are Kyle Mills, maybe you are Jack Carr, you are that. And uh, a lot of that comes is, is taken out of your hand. Um, the one thing you can do is you can create a good product. And then who knows what's going to happen. But if you don't put a good product out there, I can tell you what's going to happen. Nothing. Nothing. If you don't write that first draft, you're going to have nothing to fix. You're going to have nothing to sell. You're going to have nothing to come onto a podcast and talk about. So you've got to finish that first draft. And that's your starting point. At then is when the business really begins. You got a first draft. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, I think when I told people I was going to write a novel, they were like, uh... You, Travis, I doubt that. So then I was like, okay, now I got to finish it. Now I have I mean, to. Now, now it's a quest. Screw you, right? people. <laughs> yeah, man, I got to I gotta finish this thing. But yeah, and one other thing too, I think reviews, folks, you know, if you read a book, mm-hmm. put a review out there. Just put a star rating. You don't have to write a dissertation, right? Right. Just put something out there because that does help with the algorithms and Amazon and, and, and floating the book up. Um, no matter how much you advertise on Amazon, if it's not floating up top, then it's, you're not, don't worry about your budget. You're not going to spend it. Um, so I I think that's key is getting those reviews out. And I was talking, I think Joe Goldberg, yes, last week. Yeah. Joe's great guy. And you're thinking he he was saying, I think he asked somebody in marketing a book and go, so how long do you market a book? He goes, you know, he thought maybe a couple months after the release, then you kind of go away. Right. He goes, no, no, no. Three years, yeah. You you market a book for three years, and because again, you write subsequent books, people want to go back and maybe get that. Right. That is a key, and uh, you know, do you? I, I like doing book signings. Right? I do book signings in, in Kroger. You know, mm-hmm. to meet people, people come by, they start talking about it, and or they've read it. Oh, I love it. Or folks at work that read my book, and they're oh, you know. I gave him somebody a, a, a copy of Flames of Deception, you know, finished. He goes, hey, Travis, I want to buy Cobalt from you, right? So mm. he bought that. And mm. then he get done. He goes, hey, my, my buddy's got a birthday next week. I want to buy two more from you, Cobalt and Flames of Deception. I want to get them to him. And then another guy bought one for his, both for his father. And he goes, Travis, he goes, my dad loved, loved you. He says, he could not put your book down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, you know, that's good. I mean, and that makes you feel good, right? You, you got to get yeah put a good product out. But you know, what you, what you said, I think about the authors is right. I think there's, they're, they're, I think everybody wants to help each other. I think it's a very, yeah. it's a different environment than like, you know, sales, right? Right. <laughs> because everybody- well, in a sales job, you're going into a territory and you're yeah. selling paper, you're t- selling reams yeah. of paper. Well, if there's 10 guys in that region that are selling reams of paper, you're taking food out of one of those guys' plates, if not multiple guys. So there's a we want to sell more books. Is just it's not the same. Again, it's just not the same. Not yeah. the same. And I, and I think authors too. The other, you know, for myself, I think you have a level of respect for anyone that actually puts the effort in yeah. and puts out uh, puts out a book. Um, yeah. uh, I, I think you immediately go man, I know how much work that was. I know the commitment because the majority of people that try to start a novel will never finish it. Um, they, they give up. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many, you, how many do you have sitting there? 
right? Until you decided, boom, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish one. My oh yeah, I, I have at least so the old book folder has at least fifteen subfolders in it. Yeah, yeah. So and those are you know the start of books or the start of a short story or novella. Yeah, there's there was quite a lot, and they probably a lot of them were probably not finished for a reason because they sucked. They were horrible. Um, that's the other thing too is I you see every now and then as an industry you'll see someone at a young age get a lot of mm-hmm. success. First book, second book out boom, pops, and they're getting the big deals and all that. But as a general rule, if you actually look at authors that have made it, first of all, they don't normally make it or get to quit their day job until look book four to six. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have a bunch of books out there. And that's not mainly because you, you you need to have a fifth book or a sixth book that someone finds and they go, wow, this, this Eric Bishop's a good writer. And then they go, oh, he's got four more other books or five more other books. Well, then they go buy those your residuals kick in all of a sudden you're making adult money versus peanuts. Um, But also when you get to that, you know, I think what you see authors achieve a level of success as they get a little bit older is they also have life experiences. And I think people's writing becomes a lot better when they're not, you know, and nothing against 20 something year olds. I was a a 20 something year old a while ago, but um, you don't have those life experiences to draw on. You might have an amazing imagination, and that might be enough to finish books. Absolutely. But I think when you start getting in your 30s, 40s, 50s, or even like you said yourself, you didn't mm-hmm. start your first novel till you're in your 60s. Mm-hmm. You have a lifetime of experiences to draw on for, for a novel. And you can really make authenticity pop in that right. novel because you lived, even if you didn't live exactly what you're writing, you possibly travel to those locations or you interacted with someone that was in the military or in the government and they taught you something about what they did. Yep. Well, that's a lot more that, that comes across, I think better in the written word, much better than someone that Googles, you know, what does an FBI agent do right. or what does an Apache helicopter, how do you fly an Apache helicopter mm-hmm. or whatever it might be? You know, when you actually get behind and you get to, you feel the control. I've, I've flown in two helicopters and they were civilian. They were the small little, mm-hmm. I don't even know which ones they were, but I can use that for books of what the feeling was like. Um, if I want to have a, if I want to focus a book on a pilot, I probably need to get up a few more times. I probably need to be able to hold that thing and be able to see how I can move it yep. or a simulator like uh, the fighter jet. I, I learned enough in an hour and a half that I couldn't make it sound like Jack Stewart makes his books sound like, Mm -hmm. but I'm also not just going, well, I saw a YouTube video on a flight simulator. No, I've actually pushed down on the, on the throttle. I've actually hit the button for flaps and I've actually had to, he actually, when we're doing the simulator, he's like, okay, I'm going to simulate a fire and you're going to have to kill the engine mid flight. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? He goes, no, no, I'll walk you through it. <laughs> that so we sound walked good. through all the little buttons you had to do to yep. extinguish the fire and to get the engine so you're not going to you know, blow up and crash your, your $60 million jet. Uh, of course, then I, I get done with that. I'm like, okay, I want to turn them all back on. He goes, well, you can't really do that while you're in flight. He goes, but since it's just a, mo- a simulation, we can do it. And we walked through the steps. Um, now I couldn't do them again now. It's been a couple right. of years. But I had that, you know, I used my dexterity to, to do everything. And it, you know, it's some of it sticks with you. He didn't say, well, Eric, congratulations. You just crashed our simulator. <laughs> you know, no, but you know what he gave me crap about was he wanted me to land on an aircraft carrier within like 20 minutes of flying this thing. And oh, wow. so I made like four passes over this carrier. And I think every time I overshot it, I don't think I ever came up short. I think I overshot it. Uh-huh. And he was like, getting, not frustrated with me, but he was giving me, he was giving me crap. Like, right. dude, you can't land on air care. I was like, how many carriers have you landed on? And I think he was like th- 200 and something or 300 and something. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear it. And he goes, okay, just practice. Keep going, turn around and let's shoot them. Let's shoot the aircraft carrier. And I was like, Ooh, really? He goes, oh yeah, we'll arm the, we'll arm the weapons and you can shoot the <laughs> aircraft carrier. And I'm like, now this is going to be fun. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent. I, excellent. I was able to hit it with a few missiles. <laughs> That's pretty big. They're pretty good size, especially the uh, Gerald Ford. Pretty huge. That's for darn sure. So, what? Uh, anything else you want to tell the readers? Where can everybody find you at? That's, cre- that's yeah. So, um, all over social media, of course. That's how you have to market yourself. Um, Twitter, Facebook, or uh, Instagram, even TikTok. Although TikTok, I'm probably too old for it. I try. I do. Um, yeah. So, if you go to Google and type in Eric P. Bishop, 
Uh, P is my middle initial. Uh, Paul, if, if you're if you're a religious, Paul the Apostle, or if you're a Beatle fan, you can think of the Beatles. Um, and then my website, ericpbishop.com, that gets the links to everything. Um, that can get you to uh, pre-order Ransom Daughter. Um, but on October 10th, it will be out in ebook, paperback, and hardcover. Um, and more than just Amazon, it'll be out there in Barnes & Noble. Uh, all the online uh, distributors, it'll be out there. Um, but yeah, no, just I'm out there and type my name in, you'll find me. And, um, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about the story and I hope, hope people enjoy it. Ransom daughter was a fun, fun, fun story to tell. It, it, it goes quick. Yes. Thank you. It is. Um, and, uh, and there might be more of them. That's the other question I've gotten recently of, are you going to stick to just novels? Um, I, the other thing too is, uh, breach of trust, which is the mm-hmm. follow up to my first book, the body man, uh, that will be out, um, not early, early 2024, but by mid 2024, that will be out. I'm going to put that out under my own entity, the Bruno Media Publishing as well. And then at the end of 2024, um, I will have what I'm tentatively called the Omega Group out, which is the next story in Troy and the team. Um, there's, uh, I'll, I'll say there's a couple weapons in the Middle East that we don't want floating around. And the boys are sent in to locate these weapons and make sure that they get retrieved. So a girl's not having to be retrieved. We're having some um, tactical weapons that need some help. So Excellent. A, Hopefully they can find them. A fun story. <laughs> well, hopefully that's a good ending because <laughs> you never know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got to keep the readers going for the third one. So you got to have a good ending. So no. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Eric, it's been great meeting you. And I think the, you know, I know that the folks, uh, Arthur, Arthur, Arthur Eckert folks are going to love it. So, uh, great talking to you and meeting you and congratulations on the book and your own self publishing, which is a monumental task in itself. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Author Eke. Join us next week for another episode. Tell us your story.